In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. All right, we are in part three of our Marketing Fire series. We're going to be talking about kindling today. We've been loving getting some of your thoughts and responses from the first couple in this series. If you have missed them, I would highly recommend actually going back and listening to our overview of your Marketing Fire and then from last week, what your marketing logs can be. But we're going to have more details on what the kindling side is in part three here as we get into today. A couple of quick announcements beforehand. First of all, the rectal evaluation and treatment course, the second cohort, opens up on Monday. If you're listening to this on the day it drops, so that'll be 10:23. Make sure you are on the wait list for that for first priority and for all of the information there. And if you are a business owner and listening to this, make sure you have also checked out our accelerator program. We are going to have another cohort of that starting in January. We're taking 130 plus people through that right now. It's been really fun, really transformational for people's business. Make sure you are taking a look at that if you are picking up what we're putting down when it comes to marketing. All right. One thing too I wanted to point out is behind the scenes of the podcast. I had a couple people when we were at Pelvicon not too long ago now be ask me a little bit about the podcast and be like, oh my gosh, it was so crazy to hear Jesse's voice and see him in person and hear him talk when he was mingling and stuff at happy hour. And somebody thought that the part that we have recorded is actually was longer than it actually is. So when Jesse pops on and says, hey guys, do it right now. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole, hello, and I Good. say, right? So all of that is different. We say that every single time. That's not recorded. That'd be a good idea, though. Just knock that thing out. No, we got to like... Keep it real. Keep it real. We're keeping it real for you guys. Anyways, I just want to make sure you guys knew that. So the only part that's recorded is the part with the little music. Right, and that right. fades in with a cool thing, and we have a podcast editor who does that and makes it all match. And Shout out to Podcast stars. RJ. Podcast yeah. RJ Almost is like our guy. episodes in, and he's still going strong. We love working with him. So. Anyway, so if you guys have any other questions about us and how we do the podcast, or feel free to reach out, and uh, we'd be happy to share some behind-the-scenes information about that. If you have, are curious about our process or anything like that, let us know. Okay, cool. So let's go ahead and dive in to kindling here, Nicole. As you guys have heard on the last year, I'm going to do a real quick reminder. We think of marketing as a fire where you really need a balance of different elements in order to have a very successful fire. So that includes logs, 
which we talked about last time. But those are the things in marketing that take a long time to develop. They're usually relationship-based. They are just going to not yield fruit immediately. It's going to take some time, but once they catch, they're going to be kicking off fire for you and heat and light for a long time. What we're talking about today is going to be the kindling. That's the stuff that burns quick, it burns hot, and it is gone once it's gone. So think about all those small twigs that you can use. A lot of times that's really helpful as you start a fire, but if you build your entire fire out of it, you're continually have to throw those on. They disappear almost as quickly as you can throw them on the fire. And then next week, we're going to be talking about lighter fluid, which for us is usually paid advertising. So we're going to be talking about Google ads, Facebook ads, Yelp ads, all of that stuff when you tune in next week as well. So some examples of logs that we talked about last week is things like practitioner marketing, your website, SEO optimization, word Google reviews, mouth. yeah, word of mouth, and how all of those things, again, are difficult to catch, right? That takes a lot of time for them to catch on with the help of kindling, by the way. But then also once they do catch though, they're going to burn well and hot and have those embers. And it's going to be easy then to stoke that fire and continue with your good light and heat source. So now we're going to talk about kindling. Jesse, what is the pros and cons or things to think about with kindling. Yeah, so this is the stuff that can get you a patient tomorrow. A lot of times when we first start our practice and we're desperate to get someone in the door, we focus heavily on kindling, which makes sense, right? We don't have time to try to light a log and hope it's going to give us light and heat, i.e. patients or calls or leads, six months from now. So we do need to have something that's going to bear immediate results for us. So we oftentimes focus on this as we're starting. Now, the cons are that Kindling is gone really quickly. So this type of marketing has to be done again and again and again in order for it to be effective. Once you've done it, it works. You might get a patient from it. Great. You have to go back out and do it again next week to do that. And so what we see a lot of times is people who are really stuck in this grind. And I think kindling is a grind. If you can imagine just trying to build a bonfire out of kindling, like these are all the small sticks and leaves and bits and pieces that you collect all over the place. Well, if you're doing that all the time, imagine that you're pouring it on the fire. It, there's a big burst of flame and then it's gone. Now you have to run out and get more before your fire burns out. You're constantly running back and forth to try to do this. We see that a ton in business of people who have even been doing this 5, 10, 15 years and are still reliant solely on kindling haven't gotten any of those big logs to catch, and now you're still doing all of this stuff. So that's really the con, Nicole, is that it's constant effort. And when people are burned out or they're feeling they're in the grind, that's usually what's happening is that they're having to go out and put so much effort into their marketing because it's all of this quick-hitting stuff, but it's not long-lasting. Totally. I think the other thing that we see when this goes wrong is that you're assuming that you're putting things in the wrong category. So if the two things we've talked about so far, logs and kindling, you're looking at something like kindling. In this case, we're going to talk about here like workshops. You're looking at a workshop as a, why can't I keep doing it at the same location? Why can't the person that said I can do a workshop at their place, why aren't they sending me patients? It's like, well, that's not the relationship that you sent up. You set up a relationship for a workshop, not a, you didn't treat that person like practitioner marketing. And so 
you are misappropriating the type of marketing in a different category and then getting frustrated and saying, well, that doesn't work. And really, you're just having the wrong expectations for what that type of marketing should do. Absolutely. So Nicole, you mentioned workshops. So let's go ahead and dive into those. Hopefully you guys know what we're talking about when we say that, but that's basically kind of either doing a self-hosting a thing where you invite people from the community, usually free or at a nominal charge, or where you're doing this at a gym, at a yoga studio, at a Pilates place, something like that, where you're getting people in, you're doing a free or very low cost course class, like just a one-off thing. And this is actually really effective for a certain type of person, first of all. So Nicole talked about in the very first episode of this series, knowing what you're good at, knowing what you like. Are you a great teacher? Are you dynamic? Do people resonate with you? Are you the kind of person who goes in and does something like this and two or three people are coming up to you afterwards and saying, hey, I need to work with you. Give me your card. Where can I schedule? Or is that something that's that feels awful to you? And it feels like pulling teeth to put together a teaching thing and you don't really know what to say and you feel awkward when you're there and you show up and all of a sudden there's two people instead of 10 and now you have this whole canned PowerPoint presentation for two folks who are sitting there looking at you like you're crazy, right? <laughs> all of that stuff kind of goes into workshops. So Nicole, how do people know if workshops are right for them and, and what have you seen be effective and what have you seen be a little bit of trouble? Okay, so let's start with where I feel like people tend to go wrong. I feel like anybody can do a workshop for anybody else, but I really want you guys, I always like people to take an introspective look, but what are you? Are you a CrossFitter? Then I feel like a workshop at a CrossFit box would be amazing. If you're someone like me who's not a CrossFitter and you're going to try to go and do a workshop at a CrossFit box, you sure as shit better do your research and talk to CrossFitters before and understand their lingo and understand that culture. Because if you walk into that area and you have a no idea and you're talking about how you shouldn't load and you should be careful about certain things and we really have to dial things back. I mean, those people do not want to hear that stuff. And you're, for, you're a CrossFitter. I have done research on you. I know that you all do not like to be told, like, don't do those things. You're willing to modify, but you're not willing to not do it for a while. That is your source. That is your drive of people that you are getting motivation from that you're getting support from, like it's so much more than just the gym for you all. So, and this is all without me not going to CrossFit, you guys. So I feel like you got to understand where you fit in, in that setting. So if I go into a Pilates studio, for instance, I cannot say don't pull your belly towards your spine. Like that is a cue that these people use a lot of. And so you have to just understand your audience. That's where a lot of people go wrong is that you're not understanding your audience or you are trying to make people care about the pelvic floor that are not in the right mindset to worry about the four functions of the pelvic floor are, right? The people that are 
you know, staying after an Orange Theory workout, don't care that there's four S's for pelvic floor function, okay? They want to know about what they want to know about, which is think about what they're doing. They're doing high impact activity. They're doing interval training. They're running on a treadmill. They're rowing. So you've got to make sure that what you're talking about is married to the type of people that you are talking to. Absolutely. Now, a couple other things to be thinking about with workshops. Sometimes it's really great with these. And when you do this well, if you can get a something recurring on the books, so if you're working with, you know, Nicole did this with a, you know, a new mom school type place, but they got a new crop of moms through every three months or so. So Nicole had a standing thing to go back and talk to each one of these new folks. Well, that if you're going to do a workshop and that's going to be a kindling part of your marketing, then make it easier on yourself. Find places where you can go back and you're not having to do this with a brand new person every single time. If it's a gym, great. Can I set up something quarterly? If it's a Pilates studio, how often are they getting new people in? Right. And the thing you need to think about with this kindling is that there's either new people or if there's not new people that you're going to get in front of, there needs to be a new topic. So because both of those things are kindling because they are going to spark an interest in somebody and then there, it's going to help them to call you kind of immediately. This isn't something that is going to, like, you do it once, and then that person six months down the line is going to call you. That's typically not how these workshops work. Every once in a while, you'll get somebody being like, a year ago, I saw you at the Pilates thing. But even then, that's like a one-off person that heard you speak one time that just happened to remember your name and all that stuff. And quite frankly, they probably ended up Googling anyways and then had name recognition. And it really was a log when you thought it was kindling. Yes. So with that as well, just be thinking about with that new topic. If you do have a good relationship with a gym, with a, a place that has... And a lot of times it's way better on these workshops, by the way, to be going out and using other people's audiences. If you're trying to do workshops to your current email list, they're going to get kind of tired of that real fast. And the whole point of it is to get new patients. So if you're hosting it at your place all the time with your audience, you're really preaching to the choir already. So what you want to be thinking about is using other people's audiences. But to Nicole's point, you're going to get a different group of people if you come in and talk about returning to running postpartum than you are if you get somebody, if you want to do a talk on something, some kind of pelvic pain or low back pain, right? Those are two different people who are going to be interested in that. So if there's a big gym audience, you do one talk on one, you come back a couple months later, you do a different talk on another topic, you're going to be able to get more people who are interested the other thing to just remind yourself of workshops, if this is going to be something that is something you're doing a lot of, these are usually at inconvenient times for you because they're at convenient times for people when they're not working. So by definition, a lot of these are evenings. A lot of these are weekends. The last two that we've done, Nicole, have been on a Saturday and a Sunday. Like That's when this is going to be happening. And if you're good with that and you're in that grind stage and you're hustling and doing that, then that's great. But if that gets old for a lot of people pretty quickly when it's another 7 o'clock on a Wednesday night. Totally. And the other thing to think about here is if it is in the middle of the day, then that is patient time that you have to account for. So if it's a 
45 minute workshop or a half an hour workshop with 15 minutes of Q&A, that's actually like three patient slots that that takes up. And you want it so bad to bear fruit for a long time or to give off a lot of heat for a long time, but it just doesn't. So you need to just sort of decide, is that worth it for you to do right now? The answer can totally be yes, but this can't be the only type of marketing that you're doing. Yes. Another one that people are a little bit surprised sometimes to find falls into this kindling category is social media. But if you really think about it, social media is the definition of this kind of kindling category. So if somebody does see a post of yours and it inspires them to learn more, to reach out, to check out your website, to come in, that's great. And then that post is gone. And no one is seeing that. And now you have to post something else. Especially if you're heavily doing it on stories since those that last only 24 hours. I mean, the thing is, is that a lot of people get wrong the fact that social media posts reach a broad area of people and it's not necessarily local. Now, if you happen to have a good local following, then it can work. But you know, you need to make sure that if you're going to post something that you also tag some people in your local market that they might be interested in sharing it, make it shareable. There have been so many times when I have tried to support a local practitioner in my area and I go to their Instagram feed and I'm like, cool, I'm going to like repost something to my stories and literally nothing is reshareable from my audience. So think about that if you're really trying to do local types of stuff. Yeah, there's a ton that we can go into on social media here, but I, I think the biggest takeaway for this episode at least is that this is often where people go when they don't really know what else to do and it makes them feel good and it makes you feel busy. It feels like you're doing something. You accomplished this. You you created this reel. You posted it. You put it out into the ether. But one of the things that we would always have you take a step back and challenge is, is what's the ROI on every reel that you're doing? And so you can, and very many people do, build an incredible business, a thriving business without ever doing much on social media at all or more than what we would call like proof of life. So it does not have to be, you know, I think there's this misconception that you have to be doing that. And the answer to that is absolutely not. It is one type of kindling, but it is only one type of kindling, and it is only kindling as we think about that. So another one that kind of falls into that category is email newsletters or email blasts to your people. Again, something that can be a great thing to do, can have a great ROI, but no one's going back and searching for that email you sent three months ago. That's something you're going to have to be doing consistently in order to see any difference or change and you have to be committed to the consistency of that. Absolutely. The other example of this is sort of in the workshop category, but it's free screenings. People do diastasis screens, C-section scar screenings, whatever type of screen you that which is I'm going to offer something for free, you're going to come in and then I'm going to try to there's a bunch of different ways to do it, but basically try to turn that person that is looking for a free thing into a long-term patient. For the sell them. That's right. right to Which sell is a them. terrible four-letter word for many of you out there, but that's what it is. You're getting somebody in the door and you're selling them something. Totally. So free screenings are in this kindling category. They attract a different group of people all the time. It works well, but you have to keep doing it. If you are a postpartum practitioner and you know that a lot of 
people that have just had a baby are worried about diastasis recti. There's so much misinformation about it. You're passionate about it. It can be a really good fit to do a free screening. But you also have to keep doing those free screenings because once someone's had a free screening, they're not going to come in again. They already know they have a diastasis and now it's, are they going to get help or not? That is probably the best actually example of kindling there, Mm -hmm. right? It's, It's a very pure example, right? You put it out, you get people in the door. They either convert to patients or they don't, or they depending on how well you do it. And then it's great. Now we have to put that in front of new people and get them interested in something else and be able to do that. And again, to your point, Nicole, that's either a new topic or new people. You either need to put that same screen, that same diastasis screen out to a different group of people or a new group of people who have had babies in the last six months. Or you need to come up with a new topic, a new screen to put out to the same people that might be more attractive to that audience. So that's a very good definition of basically what kindling is. Is cool. That burns bright. It burns quick. But man, as soon as it's gone, you're back and doing it again. And so what we want you to assess, uh, for those of you guys who are in business for yourselves already, what is your kindling? And how much of your fire is that right now? Because there's two ways that we can get this wrong. We cannot be doing any kindling at all, and the phone's not ringing, and we're still trying to have practitioner meetings and focusing on all these big logs, and we're wondering if we're, our business is going to go out on, go under. Or you're doing too much kindling, and that's all that you're doing. It's all that you're focusing on. You're getting people in the door. It's the short-term focus, and it's not allowing that kind of long-term success to go in. We really want to be thinking about creating this well-balanced fire that's going to fuel your business for a long period of time. So what is your kindling and how much of your marketing is it is the question that we're going to have you guys ask yourself at the end of this episode. So if this has been helpful for you guys, we'd love to reach out to hear from you. If you have other thoughts or other types of kindling, we'd love to hear that as well. As always, we want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise. Rise.